welcome everyone. We, like I said, we're at the start of the year. I, um, I want to uh, I speak a, a message this morning. Spend some moments uh, in Scripture and that sort of overlaps with with um, with a few themes we've been picking up. I feel like there's a couple of just quick public service announcements I need to do. Firstly, for one, I've got those glasses again with the arm that doesn't so. <laughs> That this is for five people in the room who this is going to really trigger them unless I normalise it. Dwayne, I see you. Uh, so I don't know where my other glasses are. This is not a choice. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not trying to start a trend. Uh, this is who I am and many of you go, yeah, we get it. We get it. Um, so there's that. Um, secondly, Joy, uh, uh, another thing of Joy, Ken became a grandfather again. Uh, overnight. Well done. Fantastic. I miss little boy, little girl. What? Charlotte Elizabeth. Fantastic. Oh, so many good things to celebrate this morning. Um, and then finally, I've picked, a, I mean, I'm really looking forward to the message I, uh, this morning. I've got, I feel like it's really important. I, I am a little apprehensive if I can just share my anxiety with you. Yesterday in this room, um, probably the, the most proficient, um, smoothest communicator I know, which is Joy Greats, did a workshop for about 30 people that sat in the room. And um, it was so good. And, um, you know, if you've heard, we have the, the blessing of hearing Joy preach as sort of one of us. She's an amazing communicator. Uh, yesterday we saw she really unpacked all of these. You saw how intentional she is about it. You know, I kind of think she's just gifted. Some people come built like that. Um, but she really unpacked all these things, all these do's and don'ts. And there's a bunch of people who are listening to me today who I feel like are going to be going, uh-huh, cross there. That's why she said don't do that. And Because there was, of the ten things you don't do, I reckon I was, I had bingo pretty, pretty much very quickly. So uh, what, a, what a great day. Yeah, what a great day to be preaching. Added to that, we've got an air conditioner that sort of was due to be decommissioned in about 1956. <laughs> and we, by the grace of God, and the, talk about the grace of God, the miracle of God, had still going. But we are going to test it today. And I'm nervous because, as far as I can see, neither Amrat or Wayne are in the room. And they have some sort of... Oh, Amrat's here. Okay, I feel better. Because <laughs> he's got some sort of, like, anointing. There's no mechanical reason... There's no engineering reason that that air conditioner should be still working uh, as it does. So, um, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Not only that, I seem to in the last week, I've just realised, connected, I seem to have picked up this reverse anointing, whatever you have. I have, like, I feel like I've got, like, a palliative care for white goods. Because in the last week, our dishwasher, or oh, that, that was all, a washing machine, the fridge in there, and then this fridge is gone as well. So, uh, so I feel like I'm glad you're cancel whatever I'm doing with the white goods and the. Um, I'm glad you're here to cancel that out. Okay, we are going to enough of that guff. I'm pretty sure one of the things Joy was don't stuff around and just get into the message. That was one, right? Yeah. Okay. So I cross that off. Like I said, we in a moment um, are going to read a passage of scripture um, that. I, that we refer to often, and I know, and I know, I have preached before. Uh, we're kicking off 2024, and 
How many times have you thought or have you had someone ask you or get into a conversation about what's new for you? What's, what's new for you in 2024? Because this is this time of year, isn't it? We've kind of, and it's exciting. I, I, I like change. I'm someone who likes change. I like the opportunity of something fresh and new. So I really love this time of year because as well as kind of planning for what's new, it's great in the context of, re- uh, of reviewing things, unpacking things. How did last year go? And so we often come into January with some level of clarity about what is new for us, what we're going to actually sort of change or do. And as we've just prayed, for some of us here, there are new schools, there's new jobs, there's new... You might have planned trips that you're going to have. Um, And that's a very legitimate thing that we do at the beginning of the year. Often in my, um, as a pastor and a leader, I've often been asked at the beginning of the year and there's an expectation of sort of what's the vision for the year? And I think when people are asking that, they're sort of saying, what's, what's new? Uh, and a very legitimate and good question to be asking, the leader of anything. A number of years ago, I remember sort of reflecting on using the idea of what's new for in the year, particularly around vision, um, and I just, I've, I've went through a sort of a, an experience of feeling really uncomfortable that, that perhaps as well as framing my world around what's going to be new and certainly the, the church and the things I'm responsible for, and equally, if not more, and this morning I want to suggest to you maybe even a more powerful question to ask is what's old for 2024? What are you, and in that sense even more, what are you going to stay faithful to? What are you continuing on with? We live in a world, and I think most people, if not all of you, will recognise this dynamic, where we are obsessed with the new shiny thing. We are obsessed with what we don't have, what's coming, what, what we need to get and what that will do for us, what that will add. And so, so much of the tide of the culture we live in is to drag us because a lot of it, if we're smart enough and sort of sharp enough to realise that it's actually as much driven by commercialism and materialism and we're seen as sort of economic units to sell to. And so, if we can convince us that actually if you do this, have this experience or have this, um, you know, uh, product material or or this course that that's going to provide meaning for you and so we tend to think about our sort of improvement our our health our the flourishing of our life is the things that I don't have that's what's going to do it for me that's not that's not the the story that's not the framework that God speaks about in scripture for our lives actually there's a much more powerful question to ask ourselves, what are we going to remain faithful to? What are we going to move forward in our lives and together that we're going to, that's going to continue to be the kind of wellspring of my life, of our lives? And so in that context, and there might be some, I, I, I want to suggest to you this morning, in fact, I want to more than suggest, I want to really strongly encourage all of you, but I feel like it's going to be really significant for some of you because you haven't asked this question yet. What are you going to stay faithful to? 
What are you going to continue to do? That's a deep um, sort of ageless or, or timeless truth or a foundational thing that you'll, before you add all the extra things in about what's happening in the rest of your life, you're going to make sure that this has priority. Now, that's something I'm going to leave for you and the Holy Spirit to kind of work through. But I really want to suggest to you that in that, there is life. That fruitfulness, right? We tend to use the, the uh, in our day and time, we use the, the idea of, of flourishing. We, we talk about it as our success, having a successful life. I want to suggest to you that the biblical, or tell you that the biblical word and concept is fruitfulness. It's an organic idea. It kind of has a bit more space and time for it. Fruit take, It takes a while, right, for fruit to grow. The fruitfulness of your life is about, the, the fruitfulness of a plant is about the health and the environment, about the things that are going in and coming out, and eventually the fruit's produced. In Scripture, so much fruitfulness is connected with the idea of faithfulness, of what's old that continues to be important and true to you. There's a deep truth in that. I wanted this morning just take a look at a scripture that pretty much every year, in fact every year for the last maybe 10 years, a bit, bit longer, there's two scriptures that I return to because they're, and, and next week I'm going to speak from the other scripture, uh, this, one, uh, this week I'm going to talk from, um, uh, from Luke, Luke 4, that I return to to kind of uh, come out and see, see what's fresh. So it's not new, but it but the Lord speaks to me in it, through it in a fresh way. And so I want to have a look at that today and, again, connect it with a, uh, a few other things. I'm going to ask Jenny. is going to come up and read uh, Luke 4. Great. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news spread about him throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Thanks, Jenny. There's a... Um I return to this scripture pretty much every year at the start of the year um, because I think, uh, I think it's the best summer and you probably heard me, this is not going to be a, 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 new, um, a new thought from me, you've probably heard me before. I believe this is actually, if you want to answer, where is, where is the place in which Jesus gives the most clarity about what his mission, what his purpose. Like if Jesus had a mission statement. Does any, anyone here have a personal mission statement? It was kind of a big deal. Or, or a family mission statement? Yeah, great. Do you, do you mind sharing it, Chris? Yeah, no worries. I was uh, my mission statement was to 
Great. Fantastic. Uh, that idea of having clarity around what your sense of purpose is, I just reckon there's a whole lot of stuff in life that is the fruit of the bad fruit of not having clarity about a sense of purpose because that's when we go chasing other things to fill this really fundamental part of how we understand ourselves and how we experience the world, our sense of purpose. Um, and so that, I, I remember actually not long after Christy and I uh, were married, um, we decided we were, maybe it was, we were somewhere at an SU thing and we, Chris had a really good mission statement. We thought we should get a mission statement for our family. Um, we were really, really serious about the, you know, being very earnest. In the end, we came up with Clarks Have Fun. Um, <laughs> we, which, yeah, we kind of worked with. We worked with that one. So... Uh, it is really important to have a sense of clarity about what we're doing. And often when we come to Scripture, we tend to go, and the churches tend to go on to the end of Jesus' life as the mission statement. And most people, or often, when you ask people, what do you think, what do you think the purpose of the church is? Or what do you think the purpose of Jesus was? People tend to go to the Great Commission at the end. And that's not bad, but when's... A mission, when's a mission statement or intent state most important? At the beginning or the end? At the beginning. And this is actually where Jesus stands and brings real clarity, incredible clarity. And Luke, who, who recorded this, uh, has written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit um, with a sense of clarity that's really uh, important, uh, which, is, which is really good and important for us. So I like to return to this at the start of each year because if I am serious, if I'm going to be serious, and, and it's there inherent in Chriso's mission statement, to know Christ and make him known, well, that then implies, well, what's Christ about? If I'm serious in following Jesus, if we this year are serious and believe that we are here, the purpose of our church is to be the body of Christ, to continue on the work of Jesus in the world, then... It begs the question, well, what was he doing? And this is where we see Jesus in a really powerful, uh, profound way give some clarity to that. And so, I like to, like, as I said, I like to return to it at the beginning of the year, every year. And I want to do that with us now. Uh, I guess, certainly, and we're going to flesh some of this out February 10th. You can come along. There's some new things. There's some ways in which we're going to um, move further. You know, we can flesh this out a little bit more. But in particular this morning, I feel like there's, uh, there's good news here for you and for what God's doing in you as well and in your world. Um, let's take a, look, a little look at the, uh, a little bit more of this scripture. Sorry, that's not working. There we go. I just want to highlight this at the start. Then Jesus returned. I'm going to take these off because I just remembered one thing that Joy said was sometimes people do this all the time with their hair. I thought it was a very sexist thing to say at the time, Joy. But the point stands about the glasses. And you all look way better. You all look way better. Um, but I can't read that. Um, so right at the start, it says that, um, that Jesus, and then Jesus comes. It's pretty, whenever you read and then in Scripture, it's pretty important to actually figure out. It's like a clue to say, well, what happened before? was really important for what hap what's happening now. And so Jesus has actually come from the desert 
And before that, if you might recall, in Luke, um, Luke records right at the very start and highlights the experience or the encounter he has with John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was this crazy guy who was kind of leading this, like a renewal kind of revival thing down by the Jordan River where he was baptising people. Now, it's, this is really significant and you, you'll see when we connect all of this in the story, the Jordan River was the, the river that the, uh, God's people, the Israelites, had to cross when they, it was the last thing they did when they, before they came into the promised land. So this incredible journey out of slavery and into freedom, into a land flowing with milk and honey, into the full promises of God. The last thing they did was go through the Jordan River. And so John is down there saying, look, something's about to happen. There's someone who's going to come who's going to make this whole experience that we know as God's people, as the Israelites, we're familiar with it. It's about to go to another level. And actually, what we're doing here, I'm not even fit to use that phrase, to tie his, to bend down and tie his sandals. And Jesus comes and participates. What's going on there? Because so often in Scripture, it's important to know what's, what's happening, not just what's being said, but what's happening. And it carries through in the start of Luke. And Luke really wants us to see this dynamic. It's like Jesus is retracing that same story to say, this story is happening now through me, but in a whole new way, in a whole fresh way. He's staying faithful to what's always been true, that God has a plan to deliver humanity as a whole, but that's individually, life by life, family by family, out of whatever enslaves us, whatever um, keeps us poor in spirit, whatever holds us down. God is not going to keep you there. He's got a plan. It's probably going to involve some wilderness. For a, it's going to feel like you're lost in the desert for a while. Don't lose faith. It's probably going to involve, or it will involve you being completely immersed. Almost like you are, you've died. Because to go swimming in the Jordan, there were no lifeguards down at the Jordan River. If you went under the Jordan River, you didn't come back out. So it's this symbol of death. Again, we're pa- the Israelites passing through. And so John's saying, there's this thing that's happening. It's a renewal that's, that looks very similar to what we know, but also it's fresh and it's powerful. And Jesus comes along and says, and, say, and actually be, is baptised himself. And then remember the heavens open and God said, this is my, my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. He said, as if you needed you know, more attention brought to it. So when Luke is writes, and then he's saying, this is continuing. Pay attention to what Jesus is staying faithful to, but also build your expectation about what that's going to look like. In fact, shed your expectations about what that might look like. And a couple of weeks ago, if you want to hear Chris, um, Pastor Chris preached a fantastic sermon. If you haven't um, heard it, go online and you can hear that. Um, so that's what's happening here. I'm going to need to put these back on because I really can't see that. Um, so Jesus comes out of the wilderness. He comes out of being baptised. And he comes to his hometown and he chooses to announce himself this scripture. And again, what he does is not say something new that never been heard before. He reaches back and he grabs something that they would have been very familiar with. And he quotes that, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Just a note here, 
when we read Paul um, in the ancient Near East, that may have had an economic kind of um, manifestation, but it's by no means only about not having material wealth. In fact, it's much more about being on the outside, in, in a very holistic way, being on the outside, being an outcast. Remember, if you were Jewish, you had this deep conviction, you are God's chosen people. We are what's happening on the planet through God. And so to be outside of that, to feel like you were an outcast, and that might have been because maybe you didn't have money, but it might have been also because you were the wrong gender at times. It might have also been because you had issues with your health. Or it might have also been because of the job you had, like a tax collector. It might have also been because, uh, um, because you were from a different country. Are you flashing to some para uh, parables now? This was the poor. It's to say you are on the outside of what people consider to be the inside religiously. And so Jesus is saying, and quoting Isaiah, saying, I've got good news. If you feel like you are on the outside, it also, like morally or spiritually, you feel like you could, you're just far from the expectations of the, of the sort of moral or religious expectations, then you're like poor in spirit. That's all, it's all the same. You're on the, you feel like you're on the outside. And so Jesus is saying, I've got good news. If you feel like you're on the outside, I've got good news for you. Because he's saying, he goes on to say, this is what I'm doing. Uh, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, pr prisoners, recovery for the sight for blind, set the oppressed free, proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. In such a holistic way, he's saying this is practical, this is spiritual, this is emotional, this is, this is everything. For those who felt like they're outside or far from God, I'm here to kind of fulfill and show you that that is not God's plan. That is not the kingdom of God. Outsiders become insiders. Then he rolled up the scroll, sat back down, in the uh, gave it back to the attendant, sat back down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to say, he, he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He sat down and I'm going to sit down because in those days in the synagogue, you stood to read the word like Jenny did. But it was common practice. It was normal that the person who was maybe going to explain or give a little sermon, the, the rabbi, would do that sitting down. And there's two things going on here. And one, both of them are very cool. The first one that kind of everyone would have got, the understanding, the reason why the rabbi sat down, is, it was to say, hey, what I'm about to do here now these words that are about to come should be considered as lower because I'm about to give a sermon. That was scripture. That was truth. I'm going to sit down as I bring some thoughts or reflections. I really like that. I really like that. We believe that God can speak with authority through his people, but whenever it comes through people, we should have some humility about it, right? To kind of say, and in the New Testament, the gift of prophecy always comes with humility to say, hey, you need to test this for yourself. And even then, in the, the, this idea that they would sit down, it was the rabbi saying, hey, these words, don't think they're the same as those words we just read. 
But the other thing that's going on that scholars say is uh, when, when he sat down, there was like this, again, he's living out something, he's doing something. At the end of the creation narrative in Genesis, God creates six days. And on the seventh day, it says he rested. And that word in the Hebrew is he sat down in his authority. Because when you are completely comfortable as the king, you can sit down in your throne and rest in your throne. I don't need to prove anything. It's, it's, it's like the ultimate power move, right? To sit down. And the idea of sitting down in his authority. So as Jesus is doing this and kind of saying, hey, I'm the fulfillment of this, when he sits down, it's that same thing where he's sitting down in his authority. So when he says uh, these, quite a scandalous thing to say, these words are fulfilled in your hearing, it's him saying, actually pay attention to what's about to my life, what's about to happen, because it's more than just a teacher. It's more than just a man kind of following in the ways of Yahweh. There's something divine going on. And it's kind of, again, one of those little Easter egg things that Jesus is throwing out there for those who are listening. So much of this here is understood in Isaiah. He's talking about, and we've, we've talked about this a lot, the idea of shalom. That, that actually God is setting things right in the world. So he's quoting these scriptures in Isaiah to say, this is, in, in God's kingdom, when God reigns in people's hearts, when people care about the values um, and teachings of Jesus, uh, things are put right. In a spiritual way, your, your sense of which you don't live up and fall short, that's dealt with. But also, like, life gets better for people when we're serious about that. That's a sense of shalom. And there's this connection in the Old Testament. And this is like, we're going to just, I'm going to put this here and talk about this briefly, but there's so much in this. When you read righteousness and justice and peace, those English words, there's some Hebrew words underneath them that I always pronounce badly, so I'm not going to. It's actually, um, we often see, see righteousness and read that English word as like moral, doing the right thing. It's so much, righteousness is actually, if there is something in front of you in your life that's broken, that's not right, that's not shalom, then righteousness would be you would do something about it. It's not just keeping moral law. It's not just being, it's not just the things you don't do. I swear less than other people, I drink less than other people. That is just so not any kind of biblical righteousness. And Jesus really makes this clear when he goes after the Pharisees and saying, look, you, you keep all those laws, but there's all these other things that you just, you're not doing. So righteousness and justice are connected so deeply with the idea of peace and shalom. So if you think, if we think we can just travel through life and draw God's favour because we keep some sort of moral law, we've missed what Jesus is here to do. I'm, you know, I want to go back to this statement here. When it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The reason I put, the reason I put that one up and to say, look, there's this big full picture in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's also this, and last week um, Dwayne preached about grace. 
there's this connection. And again, I'm not going to go into it. I'm just going to state this here. We might pick it up another time. There's this connection in the New Testament between the idea of God's grace, which we tend to just see as like the forgive, not just, I shouldn't minimize, like the forgiveness of God. It's definitely that. Um, but there's a connection and a picture that connects God's grace with his power. And the Greek word often there is dunamis with also the baptism of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. So in the New Testament, in Acts, Luke also writes about the church moving forward in mission and all of the things that they are able to do, that all the miracles that they are able to do. There's this same connection between grace, power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when it says here, Luke wants us to note that he comes in with the power of the Spirit. Have a look here in Acts 1. This is Luke again. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not, this, so this is after Jesus has died, but he's not yet fully, the, the story, the narratives, he's not yet fully raised. He's in that in-between where he hasn't ascended. He's with the disciples. He says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. This is another one of those passages that sort of says, so what are we meant to be doing here? And what I want to draw here, I'm going to get the, the team to come up as we, we, we round off here. In Luke, uh, in the passage in Luke. Luke wants us to understand that it was really tangible that Jesus was kind of operating in this divine power. I'm not sure how that was so tangible, but Luke wants you and I to understand it was really clear to everyone there was a divine power that was operating in Jesus as he announced, look guys, this is what I'm going to be about. I'm fulfilling God's work and there's a divine power available for this. Straight afterwards, Luke records, and you can go on some homework, go and look at the, the, the headings of all of the stories. Jesus heals. Jesus um, calls a tax collector. All those people on the outside, Jesus goes and puts hands on them and brings shalom, brings good news to them. What happens here in Acts? It says the power of the Spirit's going to come. And straight away afterwards, we have the outpouring of the Spirit. And then the early church goes out and starts. Things that were impossible become possible under the power of God. Here's what I want to land on this morning. Here's the good news for you as you go into this year. I think one of the main reasons in the church and outside the church, we tend to look at the new shiny things we tend to think that our life is going to flourish. We're going to reach shalom. Things are as they should be about the new thing. The new friendship, the new possession, the new job, the new experience. I think one of the drivers is because we've got a bunch of those things in our rear vision mirror that aren't quite right and we're not sure they ever will be. And so we move on. And we think that it's going to be what's new that sets us free. 
But actually, the truth is, and I think I'm with people here who can say yes and amen to this and recognize this, the richest friendships are the ones that you've stayed faithful to the longest. A marriage gets richer as you stay faithful to it. A sense of purpose outworked over 10 or 20 years, whether it's through a job or through a, some sort of sense of purpose in your life, the longer and more faithful you are to it, the richer it gets. You understand what I'm saying there? But so often we feel like, well, yeah, but I'm not sure how this gets to that. Here's the good news of grace poured out. What was impossible becomes possible. That's what Luke wants you to know. That's what's good news. To whatever degree you feel things aren't good or right in your life, to be the first experiences of grace poured out. And then he says, and then go and live out of that. Be witnesses to that. So as we start the year, we're going to come around communion. And I'll get the... um, I'll just get the host to come on up and prepare to get ready. We have some time in worship as we do. There might be some really important, valid reasons why there's some new things that need to happen in your life. there's There's a corresponding message that goes with what I'm saying today. I get that. But I also think if we can recognize our tendency to move on because we think things that are broken won't be fixed, if we actually can place our trust and hope that actually what was impossible, grace poured out, the power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit that's available, particularly in the context of following Jesus, of living out our lives to follow Jesus, then there might be something in 2024 that's going to be renewed, a sense of purpose that's going to be renewed, relationships that are going to be renewed and set right. I don't know what that is for you. But again, my question to you this morning is, what do you need to stay faithful to and perhaps exercise some faith that grace, the grace that was poured out on the cross was made available exactly for that situation? When you're ready, we're going to just have some time. You can come up, um, come up and receive. There's also um, gluten-free options here, or if you prefer to also just take a, one, one that's been uh, hygienically sealed there. All our people have um, washed their hands, of course. Come and grab that. Spend some time in reflection. We'll just have some moments. There's going to be lots of new things, I'm sure, for you this year. A powerful question. What are you going to remain faithful to? What do you need to exercise faith for? 2024.